quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood. Yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connected parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and I have a long time listener to the podcast and IG follower, Gabrielle. And she has also been a part of our membership and she long ago took a group course of mine and I've known her for a very long time. And I just wanted to have her on to really talk about her journey into this peaceful parenting methodology. So welcome to the show. Tell us about yourself. Thank you, Michelle. I'm really happy to excited actually to be on here with you. Um, I am a mother of two and I reside in Southern California with my husband and my two kids who my homeschool full time. I co-run a business with my husband and we live a very busy life. (laughs) Yes, you do. Yes. A very busy life. And you're a very hands-on mom who has been working tirelessly on your parenting since I've met you. And I don't even know how long have, how long have I known you? A few years, I think. Certainly pre-pandemic, I would say at least three years, if not more, when I came across your Instagram account and just your content and the way that you framed things as to your struggles and your triumphs and then what you teach. It just really spoke to me, especially the struggles part, because I felt like it could have been me saying the same things um, as far as the struggles. And so then when I heard you talking about the things that have gone well, but then also the vulnerability with which you would come to your posts and then now your reels and your stories, it just was so honest. And I appreciated the vulnerability so much. And then when I could see what was possible, and then especially as you have older daughters, Mm-hmm. compared to where my children are, they're just seven and nine. I just felt like, okay, I want that. Yeah. I want what she's creating. And then you realized how hard it was. And then you were like, no, no, thank you. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are times where I just wish I could push pause and on my life and just kind of collect myself because there are times where I'm just like, I don't want to. I know. 
But um, the reality is that I have to. And also, but that's what I hear a lot of what you share and what you teach and that it's okay to mess up, um, that we're human um, and that we just need to figure out now how to repair. Yeah. And And it's okay not to want to, right? There's there's days (laughs) where you, it's okay to say like, I love my kids, but I don't want to parent today. Yes. And quite frankly, before I came on here, I was feeling I was having that kind of a day. And then I was asking myself why. And I think that a lot of it is, you know, my own stress, I get in my own head, and I get very easily stressed and overwhelmed. And I think that just my mechanism for coping with stress is just stuffing it down, stuffing it down, which Mm -hmm. is obviously not the way. But then I end up Boiling over. Yes. And I'm, you know, like touched out, tapped out. Yeah. Like, I don't want to deal with your questions. I don't want (laughs) to deal with this. And then I get snappy. And of course, that's not the way to deal with things. No, Um, but I think there's a lot of stressors uh, on parents and especially women too. We are expected to do so much work, take care of kids, take care of the house, be the everything for everybody, maintain the relationships, make sure that everyone's getting a balanced meal and an, an outdoor activity. And, uh, you know, yes. all these things are swirling around your head because society has this condition to believe that we have yes. to be perfect parents. It's nonstop. It's unrelenting. It's you know, and I, and I don't want to come on here and say that I'm some martyr, you know, because yes, I have voluntarily chose to become a parent, you know, but with it, you don't always know. Nobody what it's tells going to you. Own. No, no one says, Hey, guess what? Every fiber of your being is going to be challenged. Every yes. trigger you've ever had and ones you didn't even know existed are going to come into play. You're going Everything. to fight with your partner. You're going to yes. hate your kids. You're never going to have a social life. You'll never sleep again. Like, no, if we knew we wouldn't yeah. do it. I'm pretty sure, or I may have stopped at one or I don't know. Or, yeah. yeah. Or maybe just not done it at all. You know, probably- I would not have done it. I would have been like, you're kidding me, right? I have to recreate my whole persona. And you know, I mean, it's like, are we even allowed to talk about this and say this? Uh Yes, ma'am. That's the other thing. And, you know, I I can talk about it, I feel, with you and just a a few hundred, how many tens of thousands (laughs) are going to listen? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And, um, but also I, I don't dare admit this to even my own parents. Like I talk to maybe my really close girlfriends, like, two or three of them. That's it. Yep. About this. We admit it to each other, but it's like, what's with the shame around that too? It it is. It's like, we can't say that it's hard or that it's, I think there's this idea that, okay, if you say that things, you must not be a good mom. You must not enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, there's something wrong with you. And also you must just, you know, not love your kids, which none of those things can be true and need to be true to, to feel this way. Exactly. I feel like because we're humans and we are multifaceted beings that we are capable of feeling, you know, disdain for the same thing that we love. Yep. And I think our children do too. You know, I'm sure we oh my gosh. I find that with when I'm talking to parents, like they'll be like, well, they really love swimming. I'm like, yeah, they love it. Except for then they <laughs> go under the water and then they hate it, you know, and they love it at the same time, you know, like there's you, there's a duality of life. And, and I think we should embrace this idea that we don't need to be perfect parents. It's an impossibility. We don't yes. need to have every meal does not need to be perfect. 
We don't have to have vegetables all the time. We don't have to have an activity. We don't, those things are not necessary to live a happy, healthy life. We've told ourselves, society has told us in that good enough is sometimes good enough. Yes. But then what about this perfectionism complex, which I mean, I keep, I always tell my children perfect doesn't exist, but it's like, what is with that, that we hang on to? I think we live in a society of um, punishment and the, the idea that mistakes are not okay. Yeah. And so when we make a mistake, we feel ultimate shame. Like I made a mistake parenting, especially parents. I made a mistake. I yelled at my kids. You feel all the shame. Like something is so horrible and you, you beat yourself up and in order to try to avoid the shame, you go to this idea of perfection. If I could just be perfect, if I could Mm. just do it all, I never have to feel the shame of doing it wrong. And that shame comes from society saying there there's good and bad, you know, you're right or you're wrong. There's a perpetrator, there's a victim. And that, that whole idea is so ingrained in us that we gravitate to be perfect. So we don't have to feel the shame of being imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of those clips right there that you, you'd need to listen to multiple times to let right. them really absorb and sink in. Yeah. And I think the shame, I know for me, the shame came from, I never, I, mean, I was never good enough for my parents. I was never doing the right thing. I was always wrong. I was always messing up. I was never, you know, I was never even praised, which I don't think is that good either, but I was never even told that I did anything right. So I tried so hard in my adult life to do everything right so that I didn't have to feel the shame of my childhood. And so much so that I went to control my kids. I think this is the other thing that happens. We want to control our kids so badly to be perfect because that will cause us more shame. If society thinks we have bad kids, holy crap. Now we're, we're definitely in the naughty corner. Very true. I mean, it feels nice when people tell you, wow, your kids are so well-behaved and all of those things, but then you get home and sometimes things just fall apart. <laughs> yeah. And so then a lot of parents will come to me and say, well, I, there's something must be wrong. They're so good at school and they're so bad at home. And I'm like, no, actually everything's right. We just don't accept the misbehavior. We just don't accept it. And so the challenge becomes when somebody like me embarks on this work of what you teach and then when you have your partner who is sort of on board, but not fully, then there's a lot of challenge that comes out of that. Yeah, I think, and we've talked about it before, but just for people who are listening, I think there's this idea that, you know, they're doing it all wrong and they're messing the kids up and how could they, we're not doing punishments and they, they still punishing, but we have to come at them with compassion too, because when they're not on the same level we're at, what are we going to do? Chastise them? Like you don't know enough. You're not doing it right. Because where is that going to get us with them? It's only going to create more friction. We have to have like empathy and compassion for where they are in the process. Right. And so what I'm realizing is that this work doesn't just extend to how we deal with and speak to our children. It's how we speak to our partners and even how we speak to and treat our own selves. Yep. Having grace and all of that. So, but it's, it's a, it's a constant thing working on that. So where have you found the most success or what successes have you seen? We don't want to talk about everything bad, but we can, (laughs) but what things have you noticed that have changed in your family over the last few years? So my son, who I'm discovering, I think is more of a sensitive type. I'm not sure if he would be considered an HSP, highly sensitive person, but 
incredibly sensitive to a lot of things. I realized with him that I needed to deal with him differently. I had to approach things differently because I got away with my daughter, my oldest, being more punitive, sadly. Um, this was before I found your work. <laughs> so, but she's, she's more like the child that I was, very compliant, rule following, this and that. And we can talk about how I don't think that that's really it, how I'm seeing that ugly head rearing itself to the surface. The but compliance. Yes. Yeah. But with my, with my son, when I do come with empathy and compassion and sit through the big upsets, then they don't seem to last as long. First, second, he has a better feeling towards me in general. And then I can use that as my, I hate to use the word leverage in a way to gain his cooperation with whatever else. Right. You have more influence in his world because you garnered this respect from him. And now he's able to reciprocate that respect by being more cooperative. Yes. And one of the things I haven't been able to figure out is I'm having, I have a much easier time doing that with my son, maybe because it's that female to male energy and dyad. I'm not sure, but I don't have it as easily with my daughter. And I'm not sure if it's because my own relationship with my own mother was challenging (laughs) and the, and the communication wasn't as smooth and Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure, but I find it more easily with him and it has been very successful. Do I always do it? No, but I've, I'm trying to um, definitely do the things that I need to do that I know I need to ground myself, you know, Mm -hmm. wake up before they do start my morning before they do and fill my head and my mind with things that remind me of the peace that I want to feel. And then that helps to make me feel more patient and um, empathetic and connected in those times when I really need to be. Yeah. Lord knows I need to do that a lot because I'm a mother. I'm also, um, I homeschool them full time and it's, it's 24 seven. Yeah. You're, you're everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm not always really wanting to be on. Like sometimes I just need to just check out, but when I, when I'm on, it's good. It's, it's really great. Yeah. I think we all need to check out. I love how you talk about like taking care of yourself and so trite and everyone's talking self-care, self-care, self-care. Mm-hmm. I don't know if self-care is what I mean, but what I mean is like, we have to resource ourselves somehow to be a parent. We can't come empty to parenting because it'll ruin your relationship with your kids. If you're empty all the time, of course, we're always empty sometimes, but if we're empty sure. all the time again and again and again, we'll always get to that trigger point super quickly. And it's been a journey just to figure out what are those things that I need to do for myself. So in parallel to parenting my children, I've had to figure out what I need to do for myself. And then in a sense, reparent myself. I'm just still figuring all that out. Yeah. I think we never stop figuring it out. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't think it ever ends. I think this is an ongoing continual work and that's okay. I just feel sometimes like, I wonder if I'm going to, if I'm going to figure it out enough to where I don't mess them up too badly, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of that sentiment out there right now. Like I'm messing up my kids and I'm wondering like, where does that come from? I'm messing up my kids. I think I posted about this the other day. Like, why do we believe that just because we yell at our kids once or we lose it or, or we didn't do special time today, why do we believe we're messing them up? Well, 
because, you know, you see these things, for example, for every one negative, you want to have five positive, you know, a, a more positive ratio to negative. And so maybe it feels like we do more, I do more negative than positive. But we're doing, yeah. is it back to perfectionism? Mm. So maybe. <laughs> or both of those things. Yes, it, it, it could be both yeah. too. Because, you know, sometimes life just, I feel like it's coming at me at warp speed. And then it really heightens my feeling of overwhelm, which leads to stress. And then when I get stressed, I get really edgy and snappy with everyone. And then that's, and I know because everyone, including my husband, everyone's like, why are you being so stern? Even if I'm speaking at the same volume that you and I are speaking, but I maybe have a bite to my yeah. tone, they can tell. Yeah. And I mean, I don't try to hide it, but then I catch myself and I realize, okay, I'm off track again, you know, and I got to yeah. get myself back on. <laughs> Which is totally fine. But I think there's a piece where we're like beating ourselves up when we do something wrong and that we're, we feel, we really do feel we're going to mess them up. And I think that's being in a relationship with anybody is you're going to have bad moments and you rupture and you repair and you rupture and you repair. And that's part of life. And if we give our kids the grace to do that, they will give us that grace too. And then we're not, we're not ruining them. We're ruining them. If we're constantly yelling every single day, never trying to do better, spanking our kids, you know, leaving them alone in the room for hours on end, like none of us are doing that. We're all trying so hard. And I think that's that's very true. All we need to do. Well, I mean, that's, that's encouraging. And that's why I wanted to join the membership too, because then I feel like I have a connection to being reminded of that more often than not, because that's the kind of input that I feel like I need every day to remind myself, okay, yesterday may not have been as ideal, but today is new and I have another chance at it. Yeah. And I mean, I'll say this, I've been doing this work for 10 years and I still mess up. I still have yelled at my kids. I've said things I don't want to. I've shamed those things happen still. And I don't know if they ever will not happen. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm okay with that. I really am okay with that. I always apologize. I always say, you know what? I totally screwed up. This is not your fault at all. Mommy has her own issues happening and she let it come all over you. And I'm so sorry. And I get those heartfelt also apologies from my kids when they screw up. And I don't know if they will ever stop messing up either. And is that okay? This whole idea that we can't make mistakes is just like, it's eating me alive these days. Like, it's okay, everyone. Yeah. And you know, you touched on something there where you said you get heartfelt apologies from your kids. And I will sometimes get, I will get them too from my, my seven-year-old. And I go, wow his emotional intelligence is so much sharper and higher than I think mine was because you did that. Well, yes, perhaps because I gave him the room. (laughs) You made that happen. Yeah. Yeah. You made that happen. Are you looking for ways to parent without yelling or threatening? Do you crave to understand connection and how to use it in everyday practice with your children? Is remaining calm a challenge and staying away from shame hard? I can be helpful. I've been there and I've also helped so many parents overcome their parenting challenges with my one-on-one programs of either six, eight, or 10 weeks. 
We dive into what's specifically difficult in your own family, and I tailor ways to help you remedy them using connection instead of conventional parenting methods. Go to www.peaceandparentingla.com forward slash private hyphen sessions and find out more about my private one-on-one courses. I'd love to see you there. Let's go back to this idea with your daughter. What's hard about her or your relationship or the interaction or the dynamic or what, what do you think it is? Oh man. You know, I once heard someone say you have two opportunities at the mother daughter relationship or the parent child relationship. The first is when you're the child and the second is when you're the parent. And so I sometimes feel like that might be the connection there that I was raised primarily by my mother. She was my main caretaker. And she was very authoritarian. And I remember, you know, people, family members joking sometimes with her, like, gosh, you know, ease up on her. She, she's a good kid. You know, I, I, I truly, really and truly not because I'm trying to paint myself as some angel, but I never gave my mother any problems because I was afraid I was literally afraid of my mother that, you know, she would hurt me. Yeah. (laughs) And that went all the way into my teens. And then I remember hitting 18 and just life like, oh my gosh, I'm an adult. And Um, and just feeling like I wanted to get away from her. We were so enmeshed with each other in the sense that I didn't, I was never given the platform or the freedom to have my own opinion. Or mm-hmm. to answer back because I'd be like, what'd you say? Or you're not going to speak to me that way. Or, oh, no, you did not kind of thing. And it was just like, oh, you know, and I allow my children to speak back to me and things. But I find that when my daughter crosses me, it's, it feels different. Yeah. Maybe that's like, why. Yeah. Maybe a good thing to, would be to explore is that, if that deep fear you had of your mom maybe that's where it's at. And I don't know, do you recommend through journaling? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good place. Like what did it feel like to fear your mom and why did you fear her? And what things do you wish you could have said or done or been like during your childhood? What do you wish you could have been like? And maybe that will have give you more compassion for yourself and in turn, more compassion for your daughter. It's definitely an avenue to explore. Yeah. Or your listening partner. Do you have a listening partner right now? I do. Yeah, that'd be a great place for this is to take that to your listening partnership. Okay. Really good place for it. You could just talk it out. Okay. Then that's, that's what's next then. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Next yes. levels. Yes. Because uh, there are times when I come to my listening partnership, I don't always feel like I've got something to say, mm. but apparently I do have a lot to say. I, yeah. I always find like, talk about a trigger. That's like the best thing. Like talk about a trigger. Why does it trigger you? Where does it come from? What does it remind you of? What feelings does it bring up? Like all the old stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you can take and journal about it after you go to your listening partnership. Then you can go to your journal and, and continue your analysis of it internally. You know what it is too, upon thinking about it more, I feel like I recreate similar scenarios with my daughter that I had with my mother, but instead I become my mother who she was. And then since my daughter is the compliant one, she's me. Yeah. And then when I'll look at her 
And she's looking at me like, you know, and saying, yes, mom. And I'm saying, why am I being such a monster to her? Like why? But I feel myself recreating it. Yeah. Well, your, your mother daughter relationship, the only one you ever knew before your daughter was the one you were a child. And sometimes it just plays out again. Yes. Yeah. And, and now that she's nine, you were the one that informed me that she is now a tween. I'm like, so that's why I'm saying, you know, I hope that I can turn things around with her to where, where it's not too late. And so, because the type of relationship, relationship that I would like to have with her as an adult is when she's an adult is not the same as the kind that I have with my mom. I want more closeness with my daughter. But you already have it, Gabrielle. You really do. You're not giving yourself enough credit. You're not your mom. You might be your mom in your worst moments with Mm -hmm. your daughter, but you are not your mom all the time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I promise. (laughs) You let her have her free will. You let her speak her mind. You let her. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's very different than the way you grew up. Sure. Yeah. What else? What else comes to mind when you think of the hard and also the really great parts of parenting this way? We'll just do one more. That's a great question because I had written about having consistent special time down in my notes. So it's not always consistent because often I don't really feel like it. Yeah. To be honest. Fair. Because since I'm spending so much time with my children, yeah, it's one more thing that I would have to do. And I struggle to compartmentalize my emotions. So if I'm, you know, if they had a big upset and then they're good all of a sudden, then I'm, I still need time to bounce back from that. Yes. That's like one example. Or if, you know, my husband was nitpicking about something, you know, just life, you know, whatever. Did you, are you going to leave that water bottle on the counter any longer? And it's like, really, (laughs) if I'm feeling pecked by that, then it's not going to make me be in the mood for special time. So I feel like what I really do need to do is figure out a way to have distance time alone. I still haven't figured out what that could look like or how I can carve that out for myself, but I feel like that's still a missing piece of what I still need because then I can come back after spending that time away you know, that whole adage of absence, making the heart grow fonder, then I feel like I can be more resourced to use your word and then do it more often. Yeah. Because I feel like then that would really help a lot. And then it's in those times where my kids can then purge whatever they have pent up. And I feel like that would help my relationship with both of my children. And as a result, it would help their sibling dynamic, which there's often conflict with, which I find heightens when my stress heightens and I'm not as grounded, so it's all interconnected. <laughs> it totally is. And I'm, I'm curious to know when you do special time, do you feel like it's helpful or do you feel like you don't do it enough to even notice or no? It, it is helpful, especially once we have done it, but it's more sporadic than consistent. Yeah. What I do try to do, if not special time, which I know is supposed to be child-led, is I try to connect with them in the way that they like to be loved. So my daughter likes touch and, you know, being able to cuddle with her and be silly mm-hmm. with her and things like that. So it's not necessarily a special time, but I change my demeanor and I'll change where she feels like then we're connecting a little bit yeah. extra than just the day-to-day, like, 
okay, pick up this. Okay. What household things, chores are you going to help out with? Well, I think that's what ends up happening is that a lot of our interactions with our kids end up being, um, directives. Yes. And then it's like, what kid wants to hang out with somebody who's constantly telling them what they have to do. And I feel like that's why special time, just like you're saying this connection piece too, you let go of that. Right. So you let go of this idea that you have to be getting things done, telling them what to do, directing Mm -hmm. them. And that special time really lets them be telling you what to do. And that's why it is so powerful is because they've been their whole life, their whole day, their whole, everything is always doing what, what we ask them to do pretty much. Yes. And then putting myself in their shoes, that would be horrible. Yeah. They want to boss us around a little bit. Yes. And it goes away, you know, Esme for the first time doesn't want special time and she's 16 and a half. And I'm like, she doesn't say she doesn't want it. (laughs) She just says, mom, do we have to do special time? She's like, I'm just going to come hang out. So she comes and hangs out, but like, you know, she, they they don't need it after a while so much. They need the connection piece or whatever, but they don't need to be in control anymore. They don't need to tell you what to do or to boss you around. And I kind of miss that. That's interesting how you're kind of on the other side of that. Yeah. And, and even Pia, like she'll do special time with me, but it's not like it's not controlling anymore. And it hasn't been for some time because she doesn't need it. She doesn't need the control anymore. Because you've released your control. Yeah. In a way over them. Yeah, I think so. Wow. That's food for thought. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I didn't even think about that until just now. Actually, they don't need control. They haven't needed control in a long time. So it's a worthy investment. Most definitely. It really is because now Esme will just come in and she'll say, what are you doing? You want to hang out, babe? That's what she calls me now, babe. Hey, babe. And I'll say, yeah, let's, yeah, what are you doing? Oh my gosh. So I went to this thrift shop and uh, did you see my new beanie I got? And you know, then it's just like, we're just hanging out. That is so cute. I love it. That's what I, that's what I mean. That's like, you are goals. <laughs> you, what you have with your children, that's what we all want. It's not perfect. Let me just say that it is not perfect. I mean, we still get into it sometimes. Once in a blue moon, we'll really get into it. And it, just the way it has to be, I guess, until if I could be 100% regulated, then it wouldn't be that way. But I don't think I can. I just, it's an impossibility for someone like me coming from the background I came from coming from, you know, an alcoholic family and a control freak and a perfectionist and, you know, total behaviorism, educated in behaviorism. My teaching credential was in behaviorism. Like I didn't know any better. And so I don't know if somebody like me can rinse themselves completely. But I'm not really sure that our children need that from us and should have that from us because they're going to go out into the world and experience all sorts of contrast and all sorts of personalities. And so, well, our homes are basically a microcosm of that, right? And it's practice and it's exposure. So I'm not, I'm not really sure that it's healthy to be a hundred percent on all the time because what a rude awakening will it be for them? And you can't be, and, but they know that they know that the rest of the world is not going to give them the safe space. They know that, you know, as soon as they go to school, they get that. Or as soon as they go to a friend's house, they get that. Or as soon as they go to the park and someone takes their ball, they get that. Like they find out really quickly. That's why they need us. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like, I want to model the relationships that I want them to gravitate towards. That's a good point. 
So I do, I mean, I really would like to regulate hundred percent. I don't know if anybody does. I can't imagine anyone would be able to, but I still try to do that. Even though I don't <laughs> do that. <laughs> That's awesome. Even though yeah. I don't do that ever. Okay. So what, if you had to give somebody a piece of advice who was like trying to do this method, trying to change their ways, trying to move from behaviorism more into, you know, connected parenting, what advice would you give anybody? Well, I guess what I could say is what I do for myself. And that is I make sure that I have some kind of input every day. So it might be just making sure that my Instagram feed is filled with this type of content so that post after post, I'm getting reminded, or I'm making sure that I listen to podcast episodes or reading. Reading is not something that I always have as much time for, maybe audiobooks, things like that, where my input is constant. And then having someone to talk to. So I do have a listening partner, but I also have mom friends who are really dear and who are doing this type of parenting that I can speak with as well. So they're kind of listening partners, but we exchange stories and we help each other and then taking workshops when they come up. Mm -hmm. I think that it's just, it's ongoing work. If you are going to become a doctor or an engineer or some kind of professional, you have many years of study to get to that point. And then you have continuing education. I don't know of any other more noble or important job or role that you can fill than being a parent. You know, uh, we look at what's going on, you know, there are all sorts of characters in this world and you wonder, wow, what kind of upbringing did they have? Well, their parents, we don't have any training for parents really per se. Exactly. But that the, all those types of sources are things are my training sources. And so I feel like it's something that it's, it's ongoing. Yeah. I really think it's ongoing. I think that's why I like the membership too. It's because it's just a touchstone. It's like, you come in, you ask your questions. Everyone talks, we get to see other people. Oh, their child hits too. I don't feel so bad. Oh, they're struggling with their spouse, not doing it too. I don't feel so bad. I'm not alone. I'm here. Other people are struggling and they're trying. And it just makes, I don't know, that camaraderie is important. It's gold because also when we normalize things that we would otherwise consider taboo, it feels like, okay, I can take a breath and I can, I'm, I'm normal. I'm in, I'm in the company of other people. Cause you look at them and you say, well, they, they look just like me, yeah. you know, and we're doing the same things. And so all of a sudden you don't feel alone yeah, and you feel seen and heard and recognized and all that. Just like our kids need to be. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes full circle. <laughs> yes, it does. Thank you, Gabrielle. I so appreciate you being in this community. I so appreciate your lovely insights. And, you know, I've seen you work so hard at your parenting and I've seen you make such big changes. And now you have your spouse on board and like you're, you're doing it for those kids and they're so darn lucky. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It also feels healing for me too. Yeah. I get that on a deep level. Yeah. You're thank you. You're welcome. You're so welcome. (laughs) Thank you everybody for joining us on the peace and parenting podcast. I'm so glad you are here and we will see you next time. Bye.